it's um got it hi. it's great to be hi. hi it's great to be here um this morning um for the record so my abstinence date is june 17th 1989 that means i just have a little bit over 34 years of abstinence uh that is just freakishly wild to me like how did that happen um I came into program of May of 1985. Um, so this is not my first, um, this abstinence, I didn't get like the second I rolled in here. My first abstinence was um, three binges a day, not to last longer than an hour in length. Um, but what that did do is help me get off of sugar. I was, when I was taking a shower, I was giving a talk in the shower this morning. Um, I was, wondering why I didn't get abstinent the first time around, because I came to a boatload of meetings, right? I came to meetings. I had sponsor. I worked the steps. I just could not stop binging um, for those three binges. So I, I claimed big air quotes to have two and a half years of recovery um, of those three binges, uh, or maybe it's two years, three binges a day, not to last like an hour length, but it really wasn't abstinent. And so I left OA and I left OA for um, probably almost two years and then tried all the other things that are out there at our disposal back then, you know, 36 years ago or something um, to try to stop killing myself with food. I am a hard, hardcore compulsive overeater. I am capable of eating 5,000 calories a day. I am um, a hardcore sugar addict. There um, is not a single thing um, that is moderate about me, either with binging or with sugar. I have never harbored the illusion that I can eat sugar, you know, and, and so my abstinence, the abstinence that I have right now is um, three meals a day. Um, I do not binge. Um, so really my bottom line is I do not binge under any circumstances and I don't eat sugar in obvious dessert forms. So that means uh, in my 34 years, I have not eaten an entire bag of chips. I have not eaten an entire pizza um, um, at all. It doesn't mean I haven't had big meals. I have definitely had times where it wasn't a binge the meal at all, but it was just like a lot of food. Like I was really full when I was done and maybe it was because I was at a buffet or um, especially my first year of abstinence, I think it's really, sorry, I jump around a lot. Let me just tell you what my abstinence is and I'll go to what my first year of abstinence was. So, um, and then I don't eat, like I said, I don't eat sugar in any abstinence dessert form. So that means in 34 years, I have not had a little pinch of a brownie. Like, I hope it's okay to check about food here. Um, you know, just to taste it, just to sort of satisfy that little urge. If I personally had a little pinch of a brownie, I'd be eating the whole tray of brownies as fast as I could, you know, that's the kind of compulsive overeater I am. And, um, and so I, and what happens is when I um, rolled in here in 1985, um, my binging and my sugar addiction were just off the charts. And I went to a meeting that um, they asked you if you were in your first 30 days of abstinence to raise your hand. And it's so funny because in one of our sister programs in AA, they ask that at almost every meeting, newcomers, please identify themselves. If in your first 90 days of sobriety, identify yourselves. And we don't do that in OA. Um, and that's fine. I have lots of opinions, ignore what you don't like. But the meeting that I went to asked if you were in your first 30 days and not unlike with that reading that we had, I would be honest. And so I would get 
say three days off of sugar and then I'd eat it again and I'd get maybe a week off of sugar and I'd eat again. And I kept every week, week after week, months, you know, from May until October of 1985, October 24th, 1985, I had to raise my hand every, almost every week, except one time I got like three weeks and then ate sugar. And then I got like 28 days and I ate sugar and I was so ashamed as most, I mean, shame was my middle name as a compulsive overeater. And, and I just was like, gosh, darn it. I have to raise my hand one more freaking time. And, um, and I did, I was honest, even though I wanted to just like pretend, you know, hide, like I didn't, you know, um, like I didn't do it, but I did. And, um, October 24th of 1985, I started again, I started my absence again, and it was October 31st, right? What day is that? You know, a compulsive of readers, happy day. And I had bought my favorite candy for the trick-or-treaters that were going to be coming to my door. And I had one week off of sugar and that candy was sitting there and I wanted to just deep dive that bowl. And I just, it was, it was probably my first spiritual experience. Um, really, maybe I'd had a couple of them before, but I was just like, no, I'm not going to do it. And I had to white knuckle, right? And as a compulsive overeater, white knuckling anything is a voice screaming at me. I am going to die if I don't do this, right? It's that nails on a chalkboard. If I don't, get that food right now. Like I can't handle the anxiety. Right. And so that's what I would just keep feeding. But that night I white knuckled it. And that was October. So October 24th was my last time eating any kind of dessert. And October 31st was my last time white knuckling it. And it makes me want to cry because what is so hard for me to convey to anybody coming in new in this program or anybody who keeps coming back is that this higher power thing for me works, right? My higher power needed me to fully surrender, right? That is the full essence of step three. Like I needed to really, you know, turn my will and my life over to the care of God. And what my higher power did is removed the desire. So to go from somebody at the earliest ages, I stole money to buy candy. I have a scar on my finger because when I was a kid, I glued quarters onto a bottle for an art and craft project. And then I needed money to go buy candy. And so sawing off that quarter, I sliced my finger open. And that was at like 13 years old or something, 12 years old, like, oh my God. Um, and, you know, I... Um, Food was my way to cope with life on life's terms. I believe I was born a compulsive overeater. I believe it is genetically programmed in me. You know, I just, it does for me what it does not do for my husband. I have a normie husband. And when I was in my eating disorder, it didn't matter how bad I felt. It shut my head off, but not really, right? Because my eating disorder I describe it as like a living, breathing thing, like a genie in a bottle. And when I feed it, it explodes and um, it takes over. So my entire life until I got absent and even part, you know, into abstinence 
was being obsessed with when was I going to get whatever sugar or food or quantity I was going to get. Um, was this diet going to work? And then when the diet did work, getting high off the diet working, right? Everyone, I think, in OA knows that feeling of being on a diet and losing weight and that manic, yes, the buying new clothes, the looking in the mirrors as you walk by and the window, you know, the, the windows on the streets seeing like, oh, yeah, and then getting a whole new wardrobe and then going off of the diet and that wardrobe going up on shelves. And you know, and then needing to buy new clothes, but not wanting to buy new clothes, not wanting people to have take pictures. I mean, I'm a model. I was a chubby, neither here nor there. I, I call boring kid, but apparently I wasn't a very boring kid. Um, but just this teased mercilessly. I mean, bullied. I just, I had this really surreal upbringing. Um, and didn't know how to take showers, put on makeup, nothing. And I went on a diet at 15. And just a few months later, I was modeling in New York City. Like that was wild, right? Just wild. And, but what it was is I had this eating disorder head, like you're a loser, they've made a mistake, they're gonna find out you're awful. And so trying to keep my eating disorder in check, um, I'll try to remember, I was on the cover of Seventeen magazine and at the end of the meeting, um, if you want, I'll tell you what year and you can Google it. Um, you know, but I was like this, my first job was the cover of Seventeen magazine. It's like, they made a mistake, you know? And so even though I was skinny, I still had that eating disorder head. I'm a loser, I'm not enough, you know? I mean, it's just, that relentlessness, I think back now and my heart breaks for that young girl, young woman who um, it didn't matter how much success was coming my way. I hated myself so badly. And I feel like hating myself and being ashamed of myself and um, is so much about an eating disorder, right? I feel like it's so much about anybody's disorders. And, um, you know, and when I... Um, I guess I'm just going to jump around, roll with me. When I got this absence, so I was, I told you I was in OA. Um, I sort of poured myself in here. Um, I got sober in AA and I knew I had just as bad an eating disorder, if not worse than any alcoholism I ever had. Cause I would balance my alcoholism and my eating disorder. When my alcoholism, alcoholism was up, my eating disorder was down here and in check. And when my eating disorder was up, my alcoholism would check. And so I just went through you know, I started smoking pot when I was 12. I started binging when I was five, you know? Um, and, you know, and so it's just, I was always sort of using stuff to just shut my head off, but it never really shut my head off. It just sort of dulled it and um, gave me the ability to go out of the house in the morning, cope with life on life's terms, barely, you know, crash, scratching and clawing my way through. And, um, and my first abstinence, um, you know, I didn't get any relief because I was binging and, you know, I didn't know what OA was going to do for me. And so I just, you know, I eventually left. And when I came back, um, June 17th, 1989, I went to a meeting in Los Angeles um, called The Kitchen Sink. And it's kind of a famous meeting. They have OA podcasts of it. And they asked if anyone was at their first, second, or third meeting. Now I had been to zillions of meetings, right? Because I'd been in OA before. 
But I humbled myself and raised my hand as if I was at my first, second or third meeting. I was willing to admit I knew nothing. I you know, left OA before I had tried everything. Nothing was working. And I was sober in AA, but flat. Compulsively overeating makes my world flat and gray. There was no color in my life. And I thought, damn, I'm working my ass off over here in this other program, but I feel nothing. And um, so I came in and acted like I was brand new. And then the next day I went to Serenity Sunday, which is a famous meeting in Beverly Hills. Um, And again, I raised my hand and I got my sponsor. And I was thinking in the shower today, why did I not get abstinent the first time in OA? Why did it take the second time? And I, and the answer I came to was because I needed this particular sponsor. She changed my life. She put me through the steps like I'd never been through before. Um, I got an abstinence that um, was defined where I knew I would, had broken it, but also had a lot of freedom in it. Because um, now in hindsight, I realized it was really important to get a, a year of abstinence. Uh, that first year of abstinence, um, I'm sure many of you have heard of soup plantation. Soup plantation, my first year of abstinence was a viable meal place to go to, right? The buffet of pasta. Um, I didn't binge, you know, but yeah, it was big. It was big. It was like big meals. Um, and you couldn't hold a gun to my head right now and say, Allison, go eat at soup plantation. Right. But in my first year, it was just important to get a year. I feel like that's true in almost any 12 step recovery program. That whole first year is so amazing because it was all about learning to do life on life's terms without killing myself with food and shoving all my feelings down and feeling my feelings. And so to this day, I make sure that I have enough at breakfast to get me to lunch. I cannot, even to this day with 34 years of abstinence, I do not like to be hungry, right? Because it makes me hangry and anxious. And so I eat my breakfast. I look at it and I love it every single day. It's a piece of toast with peanut butter and a banana. And it holds me to lunch. It's fantastic. Like, and I still love it. Right. And when I stop loving it, I'll find something else and I'll mix it up. And my breakfast used to be bigger than that. It used to be a whole bagel with peanut butter and jelly. And then just over time, as I got older, I just, you know, reduce it. Um, I eat for lunch almost every day. Sometimes it'll get switched up, but I eat it because I love it. A huge salad, like a big salad, because I still like quantity. Like, okay, there's nothing wrong with quantity in my opinion. It's healthy. It's like, it's not like the quantity of a pizza, you know, the whole pizza, it's a quantity of a freaking salad. It's vegetables for goodness sake. Um, and a serving one serving of rice crackers. Um, and Five I eat that minutes remaining. Thank you. I eat that because I love it. And then dinner, I kind of eat whatever I want, but I find my happiest meal is like wild rice with a protein and a vegetable. That's like, but I can go anywhere in the world. I'm going to Italy. Yeah. Lucky me in about a week and a half. Um, and you know, I was thinking, oh, I should probably put some thought into how I would like to eat in Italy. I don't eat pasta usually because it makes me feel gross. It just does. I don't eat pizza because it makes me feel gross. I um, I like a lot of protein in my diet. So, but here's the thing. That is the beauty of getting that first year of abstinence. Once I got that first year under my belt, I started 
figuring out what I like and what I don't like, what feels good to me. The, you know, I don't hurt myself with food anymore. I nourish myself with food. Um, and I have a lot going on. I have um, severe chronic fatigue and fibromyalgia. You would never know by how fast I talk. Um, but I just spent eight days straight of being in full um, chronic fatigue. It was jaw droppingly awful, you know, just brain fog and miserable. And it's affecting my food a little bit because then my head slash body are kind of going, you know, get some more food in you to kind of like maybe raise up my energy level, which is not working. Um, but it's okay. I'm working with it. I'm in contact with my sponsor. I'm not worried about it. You know, my weight might fluctuate by a few pounds here and there, but here's what I want to convey. I only have a couple minutes left to anybody who's struggling or new, um, or anybody. It, when I came in, I talk about all the shame and how much the self-loathing that I had and the hurting myself with food. It was like the weirdest thing. I hated myself. So I would hurt myself with food. And it was just this vicious cycle. And what no one, what I'd never heard or what I don't think anybody could have explained to me is if I do this deal, if I come all the way in and sit all the way down, like I did going to a lot of meetings, getting a sponsor getting service commitments. I'm secretary of a meeting on Tuesday afternoons, sponsoring eventually is that um, I would stop hating myself. I would start liking myself. I would start being proud of myself. It doesn't mean I've always been proud. I was a really lousy mom to my kids for a long time. I have changed that. I've become infinitely better, but that was in abstinence and I've made my amends. Um, at least to my son and my husband, my daughter won't let me make them yet. Um, but I like myself. I don't walk around all day long going, you're a loser. You're a loser, you know? And that's like, I just want to implore everybody stay, like do this thing, right? No half measures, just do it. And I'm going to end with this story. I sponsor a woman in a way she's not here. Um, no one will ever know her. She won't mind me sharing this story. She's, she's amazing. I started sponsoring her about nine months ago. She was brand new, had never been to OA before. Like that's so rare, right? Cause so many people keep coming in and out. She'd never been in OA. She um, saw me in a meeting and then I saw her in person the next day at another meeting. And she asked me to sponsor her and I said, sure. And she had the willingness as only the dying can have, right? She just, she has done everything I asked her and she got abstinent that day, which is also like really rare. And her life in the nine months that she has been here has completely 180. Like she's in school, she's getting a medical. So anyways, that's, that's her story. But she was sharing on a meeting the other day, um, at my home group, and she she's got a lot going on. Her two best friends, her two sisters have both just moved away. And she's been in a just real grief about that. And then at the end of her share, she said, but then I realized, what if it's all going to work out? What if it's going to be okay? And I thought that is what OA does for me to this day. By coming to my meetings and checking in and doing this thing, I get to hear from other people. I get to see other people's stories and trajectories and see that it does work. I've known from my own self, you know, when I had a miscarriage four days after my 59 year old mom died, 
I didn't know how I was going to survive that. I stayed abstinent and I've got two beautiful children that I adopted from India. You know, um, I want to implore you, what if it all works out? What if whatever we are all individually going through where my compulsive overeating perceptions say, that's it, you're screwed. It's never going to get better because that's what to me, an eating disorder is, or any kind of ism is, is that inability to look ahead and be like, God's got this going to be great. Like I never look at like, Oh yeah, God's going to handle my daughter's pot addiction. Huh? You know, I go to, <gasps> you know, this is going to be bad, but what if it does all work out, you know? And what I've seen in my 34 years is that 98% of the time it does my mom dying at 59 no, that didn't work out, you know, but I got to have my dad until he was 81, which is a miracle. If anybody was taking bets, they would have thought my dad would have gone before my mom. You know, that's it. I love this program. I implore anyone to just dive in, do this thing, and you will have a life beyond your wildest dream. Thank you.